Hi everybody, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great. Uh, this episode is launching on Election Day 2020, November 3rd. It just so happens, coincidentally, to be the 100th episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. So, you know, whatever that means, it's the 100th episode. The inspiration for this show came in the fall of 2016, when I thought Trump had a chance of winning... And I realized I'd need to do a podcast about the insanity of this racist con man running the most powerful country in the world if it came to pass, which it clearly did. And the first episode I, that I launched was right after the inauguration in January 2017. Uh, and the title of that episode was We Have Met the Enemy and, and It Is Us. And it was just kind of, you know, how America ended up in this horrible situation. And so here we are, four years later. Things are tense. Uh, you know, I'm not sure when all of you are listening to this podcast, whether it is on Election Day or if the results are already in. But, you know, the title of that original inaugural episode, We Have Met the Enemy and It Is Us, still holds. Because America's greatest challenges and wounds are self-inflicted. We have no significant enemies and face no threats that are insurmountable. If you look at America, we have thousands of miles of coastline to both the biggest markets in Asia and the biggest markets in Europe. Our borders on the north and south are with friendly democratic countries. We have abundant space, natural resources, talent. So all of America's ills are self-inflicted. We waste trillions upon trillions, especially in the last 20 years, under Republican governments, on stupid, ignorant wars, on insanely bloated defense budgets, on allowing corporations to just milk and bilk the citizens of this country with hundreds of billions and overpriced drugs and other products. So again, America is a strong nation, but our ills are just self-inflicted. And you know, if you took the best of America, you took our best scientists, academics, political theorists, engineers, doctors, lawyers, what have you, the best of America is the world's A-team. You know, again, you take any strand of America and you take the best of the best of it, and I would put that up against anybody else in the world. So the, the point being is, is that if America focuses and has the political will, we can do anything and achieve anything. But we have been trapped, at least we have been until now, in this nihilistic downward spiral. This is kind of across both parties, and this is how I want to start this out. Obviously, I'm not trying to make a false equivalence on the the values and the intentions of both parties and the full political spectrum, but the nihilism. I want to 
uh, unpack this a little bit more. So the right wing knows that white Christian supremacy is over. It's dead. And they just want to burn this place to the ground because their power is waving. They have no affirmative agenda, nothing positive to offer the nation. And so it's all about just kind of grievance and destruction and violence and racism. And so the right-wing nihilism is incredibly suffocating and horrendous, and it's really an abomination, and it's really the, essentially the entire Republican Party is this kind of abomination of right-wing nihilism. But many on the left were also caught in their nihilistic downward spiral in 2016. You know, the Susan Sarandon nonsense that Hillary was just as bad as Trump. And this kind of nihilism caused millions on the left to not vote or to vote for third-party candidates like Jill Stein. That is why we have Trump now. Of course, there was also amazing voter suppression in 2016. 2016 was the first presidential election after the Supreme Court had gutted the Voting Rights Act. And Republican legislatures around the country had, you know, just ramped up voter suppression. So I don't want to... I don't want to d diminish that. But the reality is, is that many on the left stayed home. You know, Trump skated through with tens of thousands of votes in a few key states, you know, out of 100 plus million votes cast. And if the left had taken that election seriously, we wouldn't be in the mess we are now. And that was its own form of nihilism. Oh, it doesn't matter. Hillary's bad. You know, Trump can't win. Yeah. Remember how that turned out, right? Um, and it didn't just start in 2016. Remember, in 2014 is the year that the Democrats lost the Senate. We had some key winnable Senate races, but again, we don't seem to show up at the rates that the, the right wing does when it's these off presidential elections. And that let Moscow Mitch into the driver's seat, and that set up him being able to steal the Merrick Garland seat. And if you think about it, that's really what set up probably a lot of Trump's potential for victory. Because a lot on the right said, hey, we can steal the Supreme Court seat if we uh, get into power. So let's vote for Trump, even though he's a racist con man. Right. So the point is that the left's kind of laziness and its own form of nihilism really set up to the point that uh, we are, you know, we are we are now. And, you know, how did that turn out? We have a right wing judiciary up and down with this now this six three extremist Supreme Court. But. All the district courts and appellate courts, I mean, just up and down, been remade. We have thousands of, you know, kids in cages. We have the environment trashed. We have hundreds of thousands of dead through COVID, which is only going to probably increase in the winter as the federal government has given up on a plan and just says, fuck it, you know, let people die. And then we have fascism on the rise and, you know, the full-on just kind of right-wing death cults. Um, and how's that feel now? Those on the left who voted for Jill Stein or said that Hillary would have been just as bad. I'm not saying that to rub it in, but I'm just saying that look in the mirror. How's that feel? How's that nihilism? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's all good. You know, yeah, not so great, right? Doesn't feel so great. Fortunately, fortunately, I think much of the left has learned that lesson and has been cured of that form of nihilistic insanity. And... If the early vote, voting numbers are any indication, I think the left and the Democrats are pumped up and are not taking this one, you know, um, sitting down, right? Pe people seem to get it now that 
They understand the stakes and the need for political power. And they might not love Joe Biden, might not think he's their guy, but understand the stakes here. So the rest of this episode will be dedicated to the things about this election that we know for sure. Um, not predictions, just facts. I'm not making any predictions about, you know, you know how much Biden is going to win or how much seats the Democrats are going to get. You know, again, we'll, we'll have the actual numbers. The only poll that matters is being tallied uh, as we speak here. So after the break, I'll get into some of those uh, other elements that we know about the American system, uh, about this election and uh, its aftermath. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. Okay, so the first thing that I want to state about this election is, you know, we have definitively proven that American exceptionalism is bullshit, right? It's always been a myth, but now that lie is brazenly obvious and has been for the last four years. And again, I know it's a form of white privilege to even have ever believed the myth. And I never really did, but certainly tens of millions of our citizens have. Um, and we're not even a real democracy. So let's even go even, let's just smash these myths to pieces here, right? There is no way Trump is going to win the national popular vote. So uh, this isn't a prediction. This is just a fact, right? In fact, he may lose the national popular vote by tens of millions, not the three million that he lost it by in 2016 by tens of millions. And so what are we focused on right now as this election comes to a close? A small handful of swing states that completely distort our national politics and make a mockery of one person, one vote. So if Trump does manage to you know, win an electoral college victory, I think it's highly unlikely. But if he does, it will be after losing the popular vote for a second straight time by way more than he did the first time, right? So America is not even a democracy, and it's definitely not exceptional, right? We have proven to the world that we are just as susceptible to democratic decline, illiberalism, fascism, and right-wing violence as any other nation. In fact, almost 45%, and that's the, the number of people who are likely to vote for Trump, of our population are illiberal, extremist, racist, greedy, and ignorant. And I say that just as fact, because look, I can forgive a Trump vote in 2016. It's tough, but I can do it. You know, we didn't know exactly how bad he was going to be. People were angry. People wanted to shake it up. It was reckless and irresponsible to vote for Trump in 2016. But if you're voting for him now in 2020, you're just fucked up. Right? I'll just say it. You're just a fucked up person. And again, it might be ignorance. It might not be because you're evil. It might just be because you're deeply, deeply ignorant. But probably it's some combination of 
you're racist, you're greedy, you're ignorant, you're, you know, you're resentful, you're just illiberal. If you're if you've seen this four years of insanity and cruelty and just a mockery of human decency, and you say, I want four more years, you're a fucked up individual. And I'm not gonna forgive you. I'm not forgiving a 2020 Trump vote. Now let's also extend this. Right, Many of my listeners here, you might not know who James Baker is, but he was in many, he played senior administrative roles in, you know, in, the, in the Republican Party from the kind of 1980s on. Reagan, George Bush I, and then he led the legal team that stole the election for George Bush II in 2000. But he's always looked at as kind of a statesman for the old Republican Party, even though, again, he led this campaign to steal the election in, 20, in 2000. But he, again, he's been this kind of elder statesman. He, in a recent article, came out and said all the horrible things about Trump, but he was still going to vote for him anyway in 2020. And I just thought that says everything you need to know. Look, the Lincoln Project, the people who are you know Republicans coming out against Trump and for Biden, that's great. But you have this old statesman, James Baker, who he should be the number one guy coming out against Trump, and he says, I'm going to vote for him. You have George Bush II, who, who, you know, the only thing Trump has done good for him is make him the second worst president in U.S. history, because now clearly we can say Trump is the worst. But George Bush II, who just ran, ran the country into the ground for eight years, he couldn't even come out and endorse Biden. He's such a fucking coward and a small, pathetic human being. That the only endorsements he made this election cycle for were Republican Susan Collins, none are traitor and coward in Maine. So it's just it's just crazy. And look, that 45% that's represented by, you know, whatever Trump is gonna get in this election, that's shockingly high for an advanced democracy. I mean, 45% of the country being, you know, illiberal, that's much higher than in other OECD countries, right? And we know this, right? So we know America is not a democracy. We know it's not exceptional. And we know for fact that we have the highest proportion of illiberal right-wing fascists of any OECD country, right? We know white supremacy, which is essentially what this movement is about, is not going to die easily, right? It's going to die. Let me just be clear about that. White supremacy is on its way out. But it's going to burn as much of this country's institutions to the ground as it can on the way out. And in a lot of ways, Trump was the perfect foil for these last gasps of white supremacy. Right? He's one of the worst human beings on the planet. He has no virtues whatsoever. Nothing any sane person would ever want to emulate. He's a fraud and a con man with nothing but death and destruction to show for his pitiful life. What is perhaps... More shocking, though, is that 45% of the country that's going to vote for him, and again, I say that approximately, but it will be in that range, plus or minus a couple percentage points, is that many of these white men who are voting for him actually envy him, right? They actually wish they could be like him. They wish they could be wealthy through no work of their own, that they could openly be vulgar and racist and get away with it and never be held accountable for any of their misdeeds or crimes. So it's this type of malignant narcissism of a defeated and weakened group that has no affirmative aspirations, nothing positive to offer society, and is steeped in little more than hatred and resentment, 
which was, you know, represents almost half of the country, right? Almost one out of two people are steeped in this malignant narcissism, right? This is a diseased worldview. And just think about that. Almost one out of every two people in America likes this and revels in it and marinates in it, right? And so that's, you know, you're walking down the street in America, it's almost every other person, right? This is the, the, the sign of a diseased nation. So we have a lot of work to do no matter the outcome of the election. We are a sick and diseased society awash in guns and toxic masculinity with an education and media culture that fosters ignorance and powerlessness. So I'm going to get into you know a little bit of the thoughts of the potential election outcomes up next, but that's the foundation upon which this election will be decided, and it is not a healthy one. Okay, so now on to what I know for a fact about this election, but not based on the results that I am still uncertain about, as is everybody. And that is, unless Trump is completely and utterly repudiated, and the Democrats get large majorities in both the House and the Senate, the American project is likely doomed. Right? And why is that? The GOP is an evil, destructive force. And if after all this death and chaos and corruption and kleptocracy, if we leave any doubt as a body politic that we firmly reject the GOP, it will regroup and grow again in an even more destructive and racist manner. So of all the election outcomes, only a blue wave, a huge democratic wave, is what's going to set America on the potential for rebirth and regeneration, right? Look, obviously history is long and, you know, things happen, you know, in, in elections, this is just one election. But within the time frame of my life and the people and I'm close to, if Agent Orange here isn't utterly rebuked, America will never be what it can and should be, again, within the context of my life, maybe 50 years from now, maybe 100 years from now but not within the decades, the years, the decades, the generation of my, you know, life at this point, right? This is an existential moment. And what's really sad is the best case scenario here is the burning bus comes to a screeching halt at the cliff's edge. It's a sobering reality that that's the best case scenario during this election. But look, not going over the cliff in the burning bus is certainly preferable. To going over the cliff and people and systems and countries can change if we get that big blue wave and the democrats have the power to make some systematic changes we can change look back at germany and japan after world war ii 
These were evil, despotic, racist regimes that had tortured and killed millions and gone on this you know, imperialist death march across much of Asia and Europe. But yet after they were defeated, only decades later, they were strong, prosperous, democratic societies. Right? This is amazing if you look back at that historically. Take a more recent example. Look at Rwanda. Their genocide in its intensity is believed to be the greatest in all of human history. Right? They didn't kill in absolute numbers more people, but in terms of the intensity of how many people were killed in, in a, a short interval of time. Right? And look what happened. You know, afterwards, uh, you know, only a decade or so later, they had an intense Truth and Reconciliation Committee. They rebuilt their institutions. They rebuilt their, their, their society. And they got a lot of investment and help from the outside world, but they also did a lot internally. And now they're one of the least violent and safest countries on the planet. I mean, think about that. I mean, Rwanda was considered a failed society. There was no way that it could ever regroup. It was such a failed regime. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands brutally murdered by their, um, you know, fellow citizens, often their neighbors, right? Supposedly in Rwanda, on the street, one out of three people you pass on the street had hacked to death or killed some of their neighbors, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And now it's a safe, prosperous nation. So look, societies can change really quickly and profoundly. But the only way for America to do that is this blue wave. If we get this huge blue wave to wipe away this right-wing fascism. A narrow Biden victory will leave the country too chaotic to be governable. And Trump and his cronies might even have the power to steal it and pull off a fascist coup by challenging you know, some of the mail-in ballots or you know, doing other types of voter suppression efforts if it comes down to you know, a small percentage in one or two key states. So well, also, while I think an outright Trump victory is next to impossible, uh, of course, that's the worst case scenario. If Trump just wins the Electoral College, even though he loses the popular vote, and then look, then American decline into fascism is all but guaranteed. Because the, 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 the corruption, if Trump, after all this evil and destruction, gets reelected, it's just going to be green light for every type of corruption. And it's a downward spiral that I just don't think America will be able to come out of, again, within any reasonable time frame. Maybe 50 years, 100 years from now. But that's not within a time frame that's, that's you know, reasonable for people like myself who are in my early 30s. I mean, early 30s, early 50s. Uh, that was some wishful thinking there. Um, but also I was thinking about my students who are in their early 30s and late 20s. You know, if, if, if America is going to be fucked up and fascist for the next 50 years, you know, what's the hope for them, right? So look, to end on a positive note, of these three scenarios, right, a, a, a Trump victory, a slight Biden victory, or a blue wave, I think the blue wave is the only one that pl plots a sustainable path forward. But I think if that happens, the Dems have an awesome agenda lined up with just great people rather to implement it. And I think they could do a huge amount of good for the country and really set America up for a rebuilding that could really, I think, get us fully out of this death spiral that the GOP has gotten us into in the last 20 years. So uh, I hope to spend a lot of 2021 talking about all the great stuff Democrats are doing with their power. 
So after the break, I'll come back with the uh, antidote. So I turn myself to face me I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strange changes Don't wanna be a richer man Okay, so for the antidote for today, take a deep breath and relax. Whether you're listening to this on election day or when the results are in, you know, you deserve it. Each of us is just one voice, one vote, and collectively, we sane Americans who have been opposed to this regime since day one, we have been victims of an incredible amount of abuse these past four years by an evil and vicious president and a Republican Party that has trampled on every element of human decency and been gleeful about it. It's kind of reveled in its evil and malignant narcissism. So we all deserve a break, right? We deserve some peace and calm and tranquility. We deserve a respite from the madness. So do something nice for yourself. That's my antidote for today. Whether it's, you know, taking a bath, you know, ordering from your favorite restaurant, Buying a gift for yourself of something you've always wanted but would you know didn't quite pull the trigger on. You know, take a day off from work and spend some time in nature. Whatever. Just do something nice for yourself. Because after four years of this insanity in America, you deserve a break. You deserve a day that's not focused on, you know, the evils of this president and the party that enables him. And um, you know, look, uh, there's gonna be a lot to talk about in the aftermath. I'm gonna come back and we'll break it down. But just just seriously, take a break from politics. Relax. Do something nice for yourself. So with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or Spotify. Um, and again, with that, you know, take that deep breath, relax, and I'll catch you on the next uh, next week with some uh, some aftermath of the election thoughts and where we go from here. Take care.